Michael Cohen, Trump's fixer and lawyer, bringing it hard in his opening statement, which we're about to get back to. But then there's going to be some cross-examination from the Republicans. Yep. To dig down on this. Uh, we're in the midst of 20 minutes of he's a bad guy and I don't like him, which is fine. And you would have kept on working for him. You would have kept on working for him for the rest of your life if this whole dust up hadn't occurred and you know it. Right, right. So. But, you know, and listen, if you want to hear what kind of guy the president is and you don't like him and you don't think anybody should vote for him, that's fine. That's your right. I have no problem with that. Um, but the fact that this is taking place in front of Congress the day the president's negotiating with the North Koreans is unforgivable. This is awful. This is a low moment for Congress and will be remembered as a terrible, terrible idea for the Democrats and just grubby. That's this is your my prediction. prediction. That is my prediction. I'm hanging with it. Just like the Republicans were stupid to try to impeach Clinton. And now believe so. Right. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks that. Virtually everybody. Back, and yes, I know he lied. Don't write your emails. I know, for God's sake. Back to uh, Cohen laying out what he would do for Trump. I backed it up a little bit for those of you just tuning in. Here we go. And it should come as no surprise that one of my more common responsibilities was that Mr. Trump directed me to call business owners, many of whom are small businesses that were owed money for their services and told them that no payment or a reduced payment would be coming. When I asked Mr. Trump, or when I told Mr. Trump of my success, he actually reveled in it. And yet, I continued to work for him. Mr. Trump is a con man. He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife which I did. And lying to the First Lady is one of my biggest regrets because she is a kind, good person, and I respect her greatly. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. How many people believe you that you have enough of a conscience that it really hurt you to lie to Trump's much younger model wife about his affair? I'm supposed to believe that that really was painful to you. I don't know. Come on, dude. The guy's just... (laughs) Oh, He's a dish rag. Whatever. Serve that. And I'm giving the committee today a copy of the $130,000 wire transfer from me to Miss Clifford's attorney during the closing days of the presidential campaign that was demanded by Miss Clifford to maintain her silence about her affair with Mr. Trump. And this is Exhibit 4 to my testimony. We just got a good text, and then I'll promise I'll shut up. Can't speak yeah, for Joe, up. but... This is a pretty good text. Cohen gets a national audience to bash Trump and lay out everything he thinks he did wrong. But Mm -hmm. Clinton's rape victims never got the opportunity to tell their story anywhere. Hillary defamed them as bimbos and they were forgotten. Wow. Can you imagine if Juanita Broderick or if you just had a panel of those women telling these sorts of stories about Bill Clinton? I mean, it's the exact same thing, isn't it? It's just their version of the story. Right. It's the exact same thing. And 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 it could be argued that, you know, failure to pay subcontractors, which sucks, by the way, in my opinion. It doesn't quite rise right. to the level of the rape of an innocent woman, of a woman, yeah. by a powerful man. We're close to the end of the uh, opening statement and getting to the questioning. Mr. Trump directed me to use my own personal funds from a home equity line of credit to avoid any money being traced back to him that could negatively impact his campaign. And I did that, too. 
without bothering to consider whether that was improper, much less whether it was the right thing to do or how would it impact me, my family, or the public. And I am going to jail in part because of my decision to help Mr. Trump hide that payment from the American people before they voted a few days later. As Exhibit 5A to my testimony shows, I am providing a copy of a $35,000 check that President Trump personally signed from his personal bank account on August 1st of 2017 when he was President of the United States pursuant to the cover-up which was the basis of my guilty plea to reimburse me the word used by Mr. Trump's TV lawyer for the illegal hush money I paid on his behalf. This $35,000 check was one of 11 check installments that was paid throughout the year while he was president. Other checks to reimburse me for the hush money payments were signed by Donald Trump Jr. and Alan Weisselberg. And see for exa that, for example, 5B. President of the United States thus wrote a personal check for the payment of hush money as part of a criminal scheme to violate campaign finance laws. And you can find the details of that scheme directed by Mr. Trump in the pleadings in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. So picture this scene. In February of 2017, one month into his presidency, I'm visiting President Trump in the Oval Office for the first time. And it's truly awe-inspiring. He's showing me all around and pointing to different paintings. And he says to me something to the effect of, don't worry, Michael, your January and February reimbursement checks are coming. They were FedExed from New York. And it takes a while for that to get through the White House system. As he promised, I received the first check for the reimbursement of $70,000 not long thereafter. When I say con man, I'm talking about a man who declares himself brilliant, but directed me to threaten his high school, All right. his colleges, and the, the college opening statement to which he's sticking uh, is available uh, all over the place, and he's a slow talker, and this will take the rest of our lives, and it is a wildly inappropriate uh, character assassination in front of the United States Congress. And again, you can read it. Uh, we're going to zap in the moments uh, ahead to Jim Jordan absolutely laying the wood. Co-chair. To Cohen. Yeah. Republican. Well, he's the uh, ranking, ranking member. member. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, Elijah Cummins asked the next question, but he's a Democrat, so we're going to jump to Jim Jordan. Not that you know that disqualifies him, but he's he's not going to cross-examine Cohen. No, oh, he's going to echo the opening. The excitement's yeah. in the cross-examination, right? And we'll skip to Jim Jordan when we come back. That should be fiery. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me know that I've done wrong. It's 
Joe thinks it's a low moment in U.S. history. It's it's certainly a moment. Um, it's astonishing that this is a congressional hearing. It's difficult to justify on any level. <clears throat> well, Jim Jordan, who you're about to hear uh, uh, from, he said at the very beginning of the hearing today with Michael Cohen, Trump's uh, personal lawyer, uh, Jim Jordan said, "This is we've never done this before. We got a guy who's been who's going to prison here pretty soon. He's lied to us before, and now we're going to give him this platform to say whatever the hell he wants right. and badmouth the president because you guys have power and get to do this. Mm-hmm. That's why we're doing this. It's a, that's not cool. Yep. And we're about to hear from Jim Jordan, um, a re- Republican first shot at cross-examining Cohen. Gentlemen, from gentlemen. I will make sure that you and I meet one day while we're in the courthouse, and I will take you for every penny you still don't have, and I will come after your daily beast and everybody else that you possibly know. So I'm warning you, tread very effing lightly, because what I'm going to do to you is going to be effing disgusting. You understand me. Mr. Cohen, who said that? I did. And did you say that, Mr. Cohen, uh, in your testimony on page two? You said you did things for Mr. Trump in an effort to protect him. Was that statement that I just read that you admitted to saying, did you do that to protect Donald Trump? I did it to protect Mr. Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump. And in your sentencing statement, Back in December in front of the judge, you said this, Mr. Cohen, my weakness can be characterized as a blind loyalty to Donald Trump, a blind loyalty that led me to choose a path of darkness. Is that accurate, Mr. Cohen? I wrote that. You wrote that and said that in front of the judge. Is that right? That's correct. Let me read a few other things here and let me ask you why you did some of these things. When you filed a false tax return, In 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016, was all that out of blind loyalty to the president? No, it was not. That was pretty good. Wow. (laughs) So those, I don't know what that was, six, eight years that you filed false tax returns? Or is that just you helping you? Right. Awesome. Report $4 million in income to the Internal Revenue Service. Did you do that to protect Donald Trump? No, I did not. And when you failed to pay $1.4 million in taxes, I got wow. constituents who don't make that in a lifetime. When you failed to pay $1.4 million in taxes to the U.S. Treasury, was that out of some blind loyalty to the President of the United States? It was not, but the number was $1.38 and change, and I have paid that money back to the IRS at this time. I think the American people will appreciate that 1.3. And I would also just like to say it was over a course of five years, approximately 260,000 a year. Yeah, and that's what I said, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2000, that's five years. Yes. Got it. Don't get When you made false statements to financial institutions concerning a home equity line of credit, taxi medallions, and your Park Avenue apartment, in 2013, 2014, and 2015, and you pled guilty to making those false statements to those banks, was that all done to protect the president? No, it was not. How about this one? When you created the fake Twitter account, Women for Cohen, and paid a firm to post tweets like this one, in a world of lies, deception, and fraud, we appreciate this honest guy at Michael Cohen, Hashtag TGIF, 
hashtag handsome, hashtag sexy. Was that done to protect the president? Uh, Mr. Jordan, I didn't actually set that up. It was done by a young lady that worked for Redfinch. And during the course of the campaign, which you would know gets somewhat crazy and wild, we were having fun. That's what it was, sir. We were having fun. Was it done to protect the president? That was not done to protect the president. Was it a fake Twitter account? That was... No, that was a real Twitter account. It exists. You pay a firm to create this I didn't account. pay the firm Women to do cult. that. It was done by a young lady that works for the firm. And again, sir, we were having fun during a stressful time. The point is, Mr. Cohen, did you lie to protect the president or did you lie to help yourself? I'm not sure how that helped me, sir. I'm not sure how it did either. That's right. point. <laughs> and I would like to also think... note that more than half the people and, and on that site point. are men. Here's the point. Chairman just gave <laughs> What was that? Oh, God. <laughs> what? What was that? Jim, focus. What, what was that coming? Half the people on the side are men. So it wouldn't get me late anyway. <laughs> what? Where the hell did that come from? Oh, boy. Opening statement. And you have a history of lying over and over and over again. And frankly, don't take my word for it. Take what the court said. Take what the Southern District of New York said. Cohen did crimes that were marked by a pattern of deception and that permeated his professional life. These crimes were distinct in their harms but bear a common set of circumstances. They each involved deception and were each, each motivated by personal greed and ambition. A pattern of deception for personal greed and ambition. And you just got 30 minutes of an opening statement where you trashed the President of the United States of America. Mr. Cohen, how long did... How long did you work for Donald Trump? Approximately a decade. Ten years? That's correct. And you said all these bad things about the president there in that last 30 minutes, and yet you worked for him for ten years? All those bad things, I mean, if it's that bad, I can see you working for him for ten days, maybe ten weeks, maybe even ten months. But you worked for him for ten years. Mr. Cohen, how, how long did you... Uh, how long did you work in the White House? I never worked in the White House. That's the point, isn't it, Mr. Cohen? No, sir. Yes, it is. No, it's not, sir. You wanted to work in the White House. No, you sir. You didn't get brought to the dance. Sir. And now... I was extremely proud to be personal attorney to the President of the United States of America. I did not want to go to the White House. I was offered jobs. I can tell you a story of Mr. Trump reaming out Reince Priebus because I had not taken a job where Mr. Trump wanted me to, which is working with Don McGahn at the White House General Counsel's Mr. Cohen, office. you work for the sir, president. Sir, one, one second. All right. What I said at the time, and I brought a lawyer in who produced a memo. This is interesting because when uh, Old Whitaker in. was uh, getting grilled by the Democrats in that hearing a couple of weeks ago, they wouldn't let him answer. He would start and they'd say, now, nah, the time is mine. And they would ask another rhetorical question. Every time he tried to answer, they'd shout him down. So, but Jim Lorden, Jordan's letting old uh, Cohen uh, ramble. Would be no attorney-client privilege. And in order to handle some of the matters that I talked about in my opening, that it would be best suited for me not to go in, and that every president had a personal Cohen, here's attorney. What I see. Here's what I see. I see a guy who worked for 10 years and is here trashing the guy he worked for for 10 years. Didn't get a job in the White House, and now, and now you're you're behaving just like everyone else who's got fired or didn't get the job they wanted, like Andy McCabe, like James Comey. Same kind of selfish motivation after you don't get the thing you want. 
That's what I see here today, and I think that's what the American people... Mr. Jordan, all I wanted was what I got, to be personal attorney to the president, to enjoy the senior year of my son in high school and waiting for my daughter, who's graduating from college, to come back to New York. I got exactly what I want. Exactly what you want? What I wanted. That's right. I received exactly what I wanted for that. I was like, a prison sentence? Come on! You got exactly what you want. You're going to prison. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh wow. that's fantastic. This this is bizarre. This entire exercise is just bizarre. The Government Oversight Committee, hearing testimony that, yeah, yeah, back like uh, 10, 12 years ago, he, he would have me call contractors and say, no, you're not getting paid the full amount. Whew, it, what, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know, and... If if we're going to start doing this, you could have lots of hearings on lots of different, every president, and certainly lots of senators and House members, too, and right. various things they've done throughout their lives yeah. that we might not think is cool. I'm telling you, the MSNBCs, the CNNs, the Alphabet Networks are going to go crazy over the particulars, but this will be looked back upon as a blot on American history. Well, if we do this with every president, it's going to be weird. I'd say... Hard to get anything accomplished. Anyway, we'll come back to more of the uh, the testimony. Got a lot more people asking questions. I guess Debbie Wasserman Schultz gets into the relationship between Trump and Russia. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Meanwhile, the president is trying to avert nuclear holocaust in North Korea, by the way. So, uh, I just became aware the other day that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still a congressperson. I thought she was done. I thought when she got caught hiring Pakistani spies and letting them bug all the computers in Congress. Yeah, that. I thought when she got caught rigging the DNC uh, system to help Hillary and screw Bernie, Mm -hmm. and she had to step down that she was done. But no, she's still a congressperson in Florida. Yeah, got booted out of the DNC, but they reelected her in her district. And she's about to start uh, asking questions of uh, Michael Cohen. So we'll just catch the end of Jim Jordan here. This might be a high watermark for moral bankruptcy in America, these two talking to each other. And she, yeah, no kidding. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz is going to get into the Russia-Trump connection. So that's where we're going that's what I see here today, and I think that's what the American people... Mr. Jordan, all I wanted was what I got, to be personal attorney to the president, to enjoy the senior year of my son in high school and waiting for my daughter, who's graduating from college, to come back to New York. I got exactly what I want. Gentlemen, exactly what you want? What I wanted. That's right. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I received exactly what I wanted. Gentlemen, time has expired. Mr. Washington Schultz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Cohen, thank you for being here today. As you likely know, I served as the chair of the Democratic National Committee at the time of the Russian hacks and when Russia weaponized the messages that it had stolen. But I want to be clear. My questions are not about the harm done to any individual by WikiLeaks and the Russians. It's about the possible and likely harm to the United States of America and our democracy. This from a person who was rigging her own party's system against the person everybody liked, Bernie Sanders. She's concerned about the harm done to democracy. Right. Okay. This is all so rich. Whatevs. Series of questions that I hope will connect more of these dots. Mr. Cohen, is it your testimony that Mr. Trump had advanced knowledge of the Russia WikiLeaks release of the DNC's emails 
It's, um, it's, I, I, can't, I cannot answer that in a yes or no. He had advanced notice that there was going to be a dump of emails, but at no time did I hear the specificity of what those emails were going to be. But you do testify today that he had advanced knowledge of their, of their imminent release. That, that is what I had stated that, in my testimony. And that he cheered that outcome? Yes, ma'am. Did Mr. Trump likely share this information with his daughter Ivanka, son Don Jr., or Jared Kushner? I'm not aware of that. Was Ivanka, Jared, or Don Jr. still involved in the, in the Russian Tower deal at that time? The company was involved in the deal, which meant that the family was involved in the deal. If Mr. Trump and his daughter Ivanka and son Donald Jr. are involved in the, rump, in the, in the Russian Trump Tower deal, is it possible the whole family is conflicted or compromised with a foreign adversary in the months before the election? Yes. Based on your experience with the president and knowledge of his relationship with Mr. Stone, do you have reason to believe that the president explicitly or implicitly authorized Mr. Stone to make contact with WikiLeaks and to indicate the campaign's interest in the strategic release of these illegally hacked materials? I'm not aware of that. Was Mr. Stone a free agent reporting back to the president what he had done? Or was he an agent of the campaign acting on behalf of the president and with his apparent authority? No, he was a free agent. A free agent that was reporting back to the president what he had done. Correct. He frequently reached out to Mr. Trump, and Mr. Trump was very happy to take his calls. It was free service. Hmm. Roger Stone says he never spoke with Mr. Trump about WikiLeaks. How can we corrob corroborate what you are saying? I don't know, but I suspect that the special counsel's office and other um, government agencies have the information that you're seeking. Moving on to a little later in 2016, a major WikiLeaks dump happens hours after the Access Hollywood tape is released. Do you believe or are you aware of Mr. Trump coordinating or signaling for this email dump? I am unaware of that. I actually was not even in the country at the time of the Billy Bush um, tape. I was in London visiting my daughter. Knowing how Mr. Trump operates with his winning-at-all-costs mentality, do you believe that he would cooperate more, more or collude either. with a foreign power to win the presidency? Is he capable of that? It, what kind of a question is that? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but the... It, or is he capable of doing this sort of thing? Yeah, it's just what, like uh, your opinion, man. Well, well, God, no kidding. Yeah, this is this is ugly. Wow. It's speculation, ma'am. It would be unfair for me to... For I understand, you. but you it's, have a wow. tremendous amount of experience. Mr. Trump is all about winning. And, and he will your, do what is necessary within which opinion, to win. in your opinion and experience, would he have the potential to cooperate or collude with a foreign power to win the presidency at all costs. Yes. That's what she, that was the money wow, shot. She That's brow what... beat him into saying yes after he said that would be unfair what for me to speculate. What a ridiculous line of questioning that is. Wow. That wouldn't held up in any court of law, would it? Oh, no. No, I mean, that's no. just ridiculous. And by the way, would you, for instance, give uh, uh, debate questions to one candidate so that the other candidate didn't have as good a chance of winning the nomination right. when you were the DNC chair? I mean, what the hell? Wow, that is really wild. Objection calls for speculation, Your Honor. Wow. 
on what you know, would Mr. Trump, or did he, lie about colluding and coordinating with the Russians at any point during the campaign? So as I stated in my testimony, um, I wouldn't use the word colluding. Um, was there something odd about the back and forth praise with President Putin? Yes, but I'm not really sure that I can answer that question um, in terms of collusion. Unless you ask I was me not again, part of the like campaign. Stronger, do it again. Um, I don't know the other conversations that Mr. Moron. Trump had <laughs> with other individuals. There's just so many dots that all seem to lead to the same direction. And finally, before my time expires, Mr. Cohen, the campaign and the entire Trump organization appeared to be filthy with Russian contact. <laughs> there are Russian business contacts. There are campaign Russia, Russian contacts. There are lies about all of those contacts. And then we have Roger Stone informing the president just before the Democratic National Convention that, these, that WikiLeaks was going to drop documents in the public arena that we knew at that point were hacked and stolen by Russia from the Democratic National Committee. The gentlelady's time has expired. You may answer her inquiry. My, my question is, Quickly. given all those connections, is it likely that Donald Trump was fully aware and had every intent of working with Russia to help make sure that he could win the presidency at all costs? Okay. So let, let me say that this is a matter that's currently being handled by the House Select and the Senate Select Intelligence Committees. And so I would rather not answer that sp specific question other than just to tell you that Mr. Trump's desire to win would f have him work with anyone. And one other thing that I had said uh, in my statement is that when it came to the Trump Tower Moscow um, project, it was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They're, they're not only letting him go on as long as he wants, he gets to, like, then switch to a different question and keep talking if he wants to. Yeah, yeah, well. I mean, as opposed to the way a lot of hearings work. That was the craziest line of questioning. If Donald Trump walked down the street and found a bag of cash, do you think he'd try to find the rightful owner or keep it? What if there was a handicapped woman who was clearly the owner? <laughs> Would Donald Trump punch her in the face to take that cash? I think he would. I and think he would punch her, her puppy. In the face. I mean, what, what, what the hell is that? Wow. Wow. This is the first hearing in front of Elijah Cummings' committee. And as Jim Jordan said, he will be, he will be stained by this hearing for the rest of his career, in my opinion. We're going to leap ahead because there's some kind of mediocre stuff from some of the halfwits of Congress and then... Uh, some fireworks right after the break. Our friend Deborah Saunders just tweeted that Cohen says he recorded people about a hundred times during conversations. Wow. So that, uh, that might wow. come up at some point. I think he said, but not Trump. We'll Stay see. tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So it's going on one in the morning in Vietnam, and Donald Trump might very well be watching this live. And you got to think it's distracting. I mean, he's got absolutely advisors and policy people saying, look, Kim said this, Marie said this, and you're going to meet again, and blah, 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 and trying to deal with that. Trying to work out a deal with the nuclear arm North Korea. And so we've got this dog and pony show going in Congress. It's absolutely stunning. Even if you're a Trump hater and, and would say that, you know, he created this on his own, you don't have to have him on the same day. Yeah, this would never, ever, ever have happened. Oh, you want to blame Trump for that new tone in American politics? Eh, it's an interesting argument, but... That sure don't make it right. So apparently Jim Jordan, once again, is about to get into it to a certain extent with Cohen and everybody else. Uh, yeah. Here, here in the hearings that are going on, and it's been pretty entertaining so far. I think, gentlemen, for you, I would just make one point. We just had a, a, a five-minute debate where Mr. Cohen disputes what the Southern District of New York found, what the judge found, that he was actually guilty of committing bank fraud. If, if this statement back here doesn't say it all. Cohen's consciousness of wrongdoing is fleeting. His remorse is minimal. His instinct is to blame others is to blame others is strong. There's only thing one wrong with that statement. His remorse is non-existent. He just debated a member of Congress saying, "I really didn't do anything wrong with the false bank things that that I'm guilty of and going to prison for." Mr. Jordan, that that's not that's not what I said, and you know that that's, that's not exactly what I said. What well, I said you. I pled guilty, and I take responsibility for my actions. Turn on your mic. Shame on you, Mr. Jordan. Uh, Mr. Chairman, what I said. Mr. Chairman, not what I said. What I said is, I took responsibility and I take responsibility. What I was doing is explaining to the gentleman that his facts are inaccurate. I still, I take responsibility for my mistakes, all right? I am remorseful, and I am going to prison. I will be away from my wife and family for years. So before you turn around and you cast more dispersion, please understand, there are people watching you today that know me a whole lot, but I made mistakes. I own them, and I didn't fight with the Southern District of New York. I didn't put the system through an entire scenario, but... What I did do is I pled guilty, and I am going to be, again, going to prison. Mr. Norton. Mr. Cohen. Okay, this, uh, Jack, we can fast forward through this. She spends an inordinate amount of time talking about the Billy Bush tape and how that might have timed yes, out with the... Yes, uh, by the you-know-what. <laughs> is it about the campaign to get Billy Bush hired again? He yeah. got railroaded. Uh, <laughs> no, see, uh, and, and it's kind of inexplicable that she would do that because they've already gone through the fact that he was out of the country. But here's Mark Meadows' uh, uh, not there in the yet. wood. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Do you mean emotionally? <laughs> I can help you with that. <laughs> I want to get to the very beginning. Here we go. I think okay. we're I think we're ready, Michael. Yep. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You're welcome. <laughs> Mr. Meadows. Mr. Cohen, uh, do you know Lynn Patton? I'm I'm right here. Oh, yes, sir. Do you know Lynn Patton? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I asked Lynn to come today in her personal capacity uh, to actually shed some light. H- how long have you known Miss Patton? I've got to point out, there's a black woman standing behind Mark Meadows now. A uh, uh, civilian. Yep. Good. For Lynn Patton joining the Trump Organization and the job that she currently holds. Well, uh, that's. I'm glad you acknowledge that because you made some very uh, demeaning comments about the the president that Miss Patton doesn't agree with. In fact, it has to do with your claim of racism. She says that as a daughter of a man born in Birmingham, Alabama, that there is no way that she would work for, a, uh, for a, an individual 
who was racist. How do you reconcile the two of those, Mr. As neither should I, as the son of a Holocaust survivor. But, Mr. Mm, Cohen, okay. I guess what I'm saying is, is I've talked to, to the president over 300 times. I've not heard one time a racist comment out of, out of his mouth in private. So how do you reconcile it? Do you have proof of those conversations? I would ask you to Do you ask have tape recordings of those conversations? No, sir. Well, you've taped everybody else. That's, Why wouldn't you have a tape? That's also not true, sir. That's not true. You haven't taped anybody? I, I have taped individuals. How many times have you taped individuals? Maybe 100 times over 10 years. Is wow. that a low estimate? Because I've, I've heard it's over 200 times. No, I don't think. I think it's approximately about 100 from what I recall. But I would ask so you, why would, you ask me a question, you, sir. Do you have so proof? Here's, do you have proof, I yes do. or no? I do. Oh, where's the proof? Ask Ms. Patton how many people who are black are executives at the Mi Trump Organization. Oh, wow. oh, is oh, wow. We can go through this. Here's, I, would ask you ask you, me? I would ask unanimous consent that her entire statement be put in the record. How many black people are up there representing Congress? So is, are they automatically racist? I mean, what? What? What, yeah, what do you wow. do with that information? Man, this is just, this is ugly. It really is. We've gotten into this, some silly areas. It's just aspersion casting. I mean, the, the real stuff, the legal stuff, that will have its hearing. And, and that's fine, and it should. This is just mudslinging in front of the House Oversight So Committee. you got, I mean, so you got Cohen, who worked for a guy for a year, who comes up and says he's racist. Yeah. That guy is racist. And then he brings up a black woman and says she knows him. She says he's not. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's where we are. Right. What is that? I'm telling you, this will be looked back upon nearly universally as a stupid, ugly, nasty day in American politics. Does this continue to be good, Hanson? We'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. Here we go. Without objection. All right, let me go on a little bit further. Did you collect $1.2 million or so from Novartis? I did. For access to the Trump administration? No, sir. Why did you collect it? Because they came to me based upon my knowledge of the enigma Donald Trump, what he thinks. So they paid did, you, Sir, please let me finish. No, did they pay you $1.2 million dollars to yes. give them advice? Yes, they did. They... A multi-billion dollar conglomerate came to me looking for information, not something that's unusual here in D.C., looking for information, <laughs> and they believed that I had a value. So how many and times did you meet with them? was the insight that I was capable of offering them, how many and they times, were willing to pay. How many times did you meet with them? For $1.2 million, how many times did you meet with them? I provided them with both in person as well as telephone access whenever they needed. How many times? Yes, sir. That's a question, I, Mr. I don't, Cohen. I don't recall, sir. So did you ever talk yeah, to them? I spoke to them on several occasions, yes. How many? Uh, six times. Six times. <laughs> wow. I love that. $200,000 a call. Says, I can't answer that. Uh, I, I don't know. I do, or it would be unfair. Then they ask him louder, and he answers it. It's like Will Ferrell from Austin Powers movies. If you ask him a third time, he has to answer. Right. Wow. <laughs> BTA Bank, Kazatam BTA Bank. Did you get money from them? I did. For what purpose? The purpose was because the former CEO of that bank um, had absconded with over, it was between four to six billion dollars, and some of that money was here in the United States, and they sought my assistance in terms of finding, locating that money, and helping them to recollect it. So are you saying that all the reports that you were paid 
in some estimates, over $4 million to have access and understanding of the Trump administration. You're saying that all of that was just paid to you just because you're a nice guy. Well, I am a nice guy, but more importantly, well, yeah, I would every, beg to differ that the record contract, reflects that you're not a nice sir, guy. Each and every contract <laughs> contained the clause in my contracts that said, I will not lobby and I do not do government relations work. In fact, in fact, Novartis sent me their contract, which stated specifically that they wanted me to lobby, that they wanted me to provide access to government, including the president. That information, that paragraph was crossed out by me, initialed, and written in my own handwriting. It says, I will not lobby or do government relations work. So Novartis representatives, I would say that Cohen doesn't seem the least bit rattled and hasn't at any point that that's a guy who's used to being under the gun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is what he does for a living. And he's dealt with the powerful mobsters who kill people and uh, Ukrainian oligarchs and, and the rest of it. I am a nice guy. I'd like to say the record shows you are not a nice guy. But I am. I am. I swear I am. <laughs> this is your government, America. <laughs> We'll get back to it. There's some more fireworks to come. We're bringing you the highlights, not the boring crap. Stick with us. Yeah, awesome. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 